Welcome back to the podcast number 64. Today's podcast is brought to you by Chef Notepad. Simplify kitchen tasks and improve consistency. That's just one of the things that Chef Notepad does. Check that out for free at the moment at chefnotepad.com.au. Also brought to you by Suncoast Fresh Ordering App, where you can order anywhere, anytime. Put your order in. It is awesome. Check that out at suncoastfresh.com.au as well. Today, we have Laura Sherad. She was from MasterChef Season 6, runner-up, sorry, Laura, um, but is an amazing person. And we caught up with her in Port Douglas where she shares her adventures, some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes on MasterChef that she's never told anyone else before. So a few secrets there. So sit back and enjoy with Laura. Laura, thank you for coming on the podcast how are you today in your swimmers you've just been um got out of the lunch a little bit early and uh snuck down here i did yeah beautiful thanks for having me lucky it's not a uh, live broadcast otherwise people would see what i'm wearing <laughs> yeah, right now yeah 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 <laughs> so uh, we might get a couple of shots of that scott now yeah. um yeah so you're up in port douglas we're at the taste of port douglas and uh you're at a lunch and you snuck away to do this and um um, yeah, how did uh, how did you get involved with Taste Port Douglas? Um, so a funny one actually. I've got a um, a good relationship with the W Hotels in Brisbane, um, and the staff there um, asked if I would be keen to come up and work with the Sheridan because it's part of the same group um, and to come to Port Douglas for a weekend and of course I did not say no because <laughs> I mean to get away for a weekend is rare but to come to Port Douglas is so nice. And you brought your, your bestie up as yeah, well? Yeah, so I brought one of my best friends up which is nice so um, it's just yeah a good excuse to kind of get out of the state see some nice warm weather, hang out with my girlfriend and meet some really cool people. Wow. Well, we were lucky enough to just run into you and tackle you down for this. So, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks again. Deep. No, pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, um, that was the bribe, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're up, you're up here and you, you're sprung into fame through some uh, through, through MasterChef and, and, and all that, and that, that are all great stories. But I want to really get back to the, you when you were a little girl and um, I'm imagining you crawling under a table with some flour falling off. Is that the traditional story that I'm going to get or, or we got something slightly oh. different? <laughs> uh, depends who you ask in my family. My mum would say that I would sit on my grandmother's bench um, with a little apron that she'd made for me that's like an I Love Italy um, apron um, and I'd just put my finger in every single saucepan and pot and burn my fingers Right. trying to try everything. Is so. that why one of your fingers is missing? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just like um, my childhood was literally yeah, sitting on the bench watching my grandmothers cook, watching my mum cook um, and constantly questioning why they were doing it and why they were making it and what they were putting in and how much of and I'd never get a straight answer you know it's a bit of this and a bit of that and a handful of this and a sprinkle of that so Italian recipes are, are hard to actually track down from Nonda at the moment but yeah that's how I kind of got into it. Yeah, that is a, it is a hard thing with people. It's almost like it's a secret, but they yeah. it's almost like, well, I'm going to keep this because if I, if I teach you how to cook it, you're not going to come visit me later on when you're... Correct. Is that it? Yeah, literally. Yeah, I yeah. think so. It's like their bribe. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> what were the standouts? What was, what was the thing? You know, was oh. it the gnocchi? Was it the ravioli? Yeah. That's the one you, you do. Yeah, yeah. You're so, famous for, let's um, say. Ravioli. So I had to... Well, I've got one on there still, but I had two. Um, and one's from Sicily, one's from Tuscany. So two very different cuisines that um, I grew up with. Which is and, better? Oh, I can't answer that because I'm into trouble. But, oh, no, they're just both as good as each other. I'm not going to yeah, go yeah, into yeah. the politics of uh, regions. Fair but, enough. <laughs> um, but uh, my nonna Maria, so she's from Sicily, so she specialised in field pastures, so lots of ravioli, which is what I love, and tortellini and... Um, lots of like lighter fish based dishes which um, for me making she does like this little annulotti and it's like a silver beet and ricotta annulotti and she can make the ricotta and the silver beet was from the garden and then whatever was in the garden was the sauce so for me it was like nostalgic it'd always be like a pesto artichokes peas broad beans like it was the springtime classic mm. you'd get when you'd go to a house which was the best um, and my other non the first thing she actually taught me how to make was gnocchi so my first actual memory of cooking was um I was actually living in Italy. So my parents moved us 
um, to Tuscany for two years when I was four years old. Stop it. I know. It was a tough life. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, Sorry, five years old. Was it five? No, it was four. Yeah, four years old. Um, and we were there for just over two years. Went to school, kind of just like grew up as an Italian kid, which was amazing. And my grandparents came and visited, so my dad's parents, because we were living in the house that they actually... Um, well, my nonna actually grew up in, um, just outside of Lucca in Tuscany. And I remember making gnocchi with her for the first time. It was like the first thing I ever learned how to make. And she's the very messy cook, whereas my mum's mother, sorry, from Sicily, Maria, she's like very niche and everything's very precise. But there was more flour on like the floor, like the cracks, the benches, just like everywhere than in the gnocchi. But yeah, I like have like full vivid memories of that, which is really nice. What potato do we use for gnocchi? Well, it's kind of like a debate in like every household, I feel. Um, we use Royal Blues. Yep. Um, Talangi Delights. Um, I grew up in Victoria, so Talangi Delights are kind of like the equivalent of a Royal Blue, but yep. I think they're the best. Um, however, I've learnt recently that there are potato seasons and yes. there are times when you shouldn't probably make gnocchi um, because there's too much water in the potatoes currently. So, yeah, yeah so um, Royal Blues are my go-to. Beautiful. Um, Talangi Delights, if you can get That's it. the same with onions. They have too much water at the beginning of each yeah. season. So yep. that. Yeah, the heaps, heaps yeah, of Yeah, so... And what about the actual flour? You know, like... Yep. Italy's flour seems to be way different to Australian flour. Yeah. I think, like, the grain here is a lot harder and it's kind of harder to incorporate into something and you can kind of feel that it's, like, heavier and you've got to work something more um, and then you can kind of get, like, the opposite desired effect that you want. Um, but we um, at home grew up with actually two different flowers so from Sicily like similar flower so like semolina um so like a coarser grain and we'd make more like hand roll pastas like cavatelli or like orecchietti um because that's just like the flour and water based pasta um because obviously like back before the war or like while the war was happening everyone was like super poor and they couldn't afford eggs um to make pasta so they had to just do flour and water whereas up north there was more money so that was always double zero flour, eggs, and olive oil. Beautiful. Look and at we've this. been interrupted for pina coladas. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Can we get three more as well, like straight away? Yeah, 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 yeah let's just do that. <laughs> it's going to be a good afternoon. <laughs> thank you. Um, We're trying so to get nice. the secret gnocchi recipe out. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to so, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I should have said mm. cheers, but I was just like too let's excited do just, to do cheers. Lovely. The poolside cups, lovely oh. plastic, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was like um, it's been really interesting learning about the different flowers that you do use and for different pastas and, and why for those doughs. But um, personally for me, if I'm making pasta at home, I, I know it's probably like not a good thing to not use local flour, but I've always used Italian flour. Well, I just find it's, it's a better product. Um, and obviously like using local is great where you can, but it's just a very different result that you get. Yeah, and I, I think it might come back to the genetically modified. You know, they've changed the grain a little bit. They've got the, the grain bit to grow longer. Yeah. And in Italy it was shorter, so there's less yield, but it's 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 like they've still got the original seed, yeah. let's call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they're really, really important. Yeah, so... Yeah, so, there's my little flower tip for you. Beautiful. Yeah. So is, is that so? When people say, "What's your favourite flower?" Do you say like self-raising or plain, or do you no, say, I say a rose? Semolina flower, or <laughs> pasta flower. <laughs> you never <laughs> say the, the actual flower. No, no. But I mean, like you know, there's definitely like certain brands as well that you could like go into. But I yeah. think you know anything that is like a super high quality Italian grain, it's always best. Tell me some more about Italy and what else you happened over there. Oh, what else happened over there? Um, well, I grew up well, yeah, two years over there. So you speak there. Italian? Yep, so I speak fluent Italian. Oh, um, Mickey, I'm Graham. Yeah, that's <laughs> all I got. Laura. <laughs> <laughs> so, which I'm like super grateful for that, like to learn a language and to be kind of in a situation where you're forced to learn. I think yeah, especially yeah. at a young age, you pick yeah. it up obviously a lot better. That's really good parenting, I have to say. Yeah, it was pretty, like it was a very cool lifestyle. Like of what I obviously you don't remember everything when you're that young, but yeah. I remember quite a bit. Um, and what I do was pretty amazing so yeah so it was like two years of um my dad is a um builder <laughs> um, my dad's a, a builder carpenter by trade and mum is a very good cook so she actually um got a job at a villa in tuscany where they did weddings for very wealthy um hollywood stars Fancy. and so she um got to cook food for some pretty cool weddings wow. um and my dad then um was um, maintenance for the rich and famous villas, which is kind of cool. Wow. So on weekends, um, so basically we did school um, 
you kind of do a bit differently over there. So you do it Monday to Saturday. So you do go to school on a Saturday, but you've got lots of like half days here and there. So um, like you'd go in and do like a half day and then go home and have lunch and that's it. Or you'd go and you'd have a full day and then there's like a group of nonnas in the school kitchen and they'd cook you like a three course meal for lunch. Like it was ridiculous the food you would get. Um, and then our weekends were trips away and school holidays were like trips to different regions throughout Italy, which was really beautiful and mm. kind of seeing like where both sides of uh, mum and dad's parents grew up, which is really special as well. So we were very spoiled. So this is really why you had such a good pasta, you know. I know. Advantage yeah. on everyone. I know. Really, yeah. I was also. You could also tell with the size of my tummy when I was a kid how much I loved pasta. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. I'm going to talk to you about how you balance that stuff out. Actually, later on, probably just from sweating your backside <laughs> off in the kitchen. Especially but uh, up, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so four years did you say there or two? Uh, two, just two over years. two years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then came back and kind of funny. Like, I mean, I was in grade three, I think, equivalent when. We came back to Australia and um, going back into a regular school where you there was a tuck shop and not like a three-course meal mm. served by nonnas and having to speak English as a language yeah. was really hard. Um, How'd so that go with making friends and that stuff? Uh, in Italy or coming back? Coming back. Coming back was actually pretty good Like um, because I was still in primary school, had the exact same friends who oh, were okay. actually like all neighbours anyway, uh, right. which was really okay. nice. So I did my first year of school... Um, in Australia, and then we moved. Okay, the big advantage. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was good. So it's good for me. Uh, not so good for my brother who was younger because he kind of went straight into. Yeah. Um, his two years younger, so straight into school with like not really knowing anyone. And he wouldn't but, have been up on the bench. He would have been too no, small. No. Yeah. Exactly. Sitting on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Getting all them crumbs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is um, he big now or not? <laughs> oh, he's definitely taller than me. Everyone in my family is taller than me. Oh, I'm like the yeah. short nonna, like okay, five. Yeah. <laughs> So you, you went through school and did you always know, you go, I'm going to be a chef or no, what no. did you want to be when you grew um, up? So I wanted, well, I ended up actually studying for a year at university and I wanted to get into uh, teaching and I loved, like I was really uh, inspired by my teachers in high school, loved um, like health and phys ed and then um, obviously Italian because I was kind of like, well, I'm good at it. I should probably do something with it mm. um, and just not lose the language. So I just like studied all those subjects throughout high school, um, did one year at uni and then didn't want to study because I hate studying and then that's how I f like kind of got into MasterChef. I was meant to be studying for my exams, decided to fill out an application form yep. and then got a, a call back. Was that a hard application? Was uh, It was pretty long. Like it's, um, there's kind of a lot of different areas to it. So it was an online one. It probably took me like an hour to kind of get through. A lot of like personal information, like family background, what style of cooking you like, who you've cooked for before, like in what capacities you've done that, um, like goals and aspirations. And I was 18, so I was like, mm, I don't know what my goals and aspirations are. I don't know. Travel overseas, have a year off, like that kind yeah. of vibe. Um, a lot of like mental health questions, obviously, because it's like it's quite a full on time you're away for. It's like it's six months of filming that you're away from home. So. It's a lot to be away, especially if you're like a bit old and you've got family and life responsibilities. Um, that explains the tears. Very at the tough. End there. Yeah, that's yeah. why everyone's always crying because there's yeah. so much shit going on at home <laughs> and you're like, I can't be here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then I yeah, got a call back and I was like, oh God, what have I done? My parents like, don't get excited, like nothing's going to happen. And then I reckon like four weeks later, there was like a camera crew at the door, like, we're here to film your backstory, you're coming to Melbourne. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, it's pretty Do you cool. recommend it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, I, I'd always recommend it, and that's probably why I went back as well, because I had such a positive experience. I think um, it actually might help going onto a show like that, being younger and kind of not having too many life experiences in the sense of you're very adaptable to new environments and situations, and you can kind of think of things on the spot. Um, and also, like, living arrangements here in a house is 24 people. It's not nice. You're bunking. You're on bunk beds. Like there's yeah. ten girls in a room. It's like, ooh, you know, you've all got to share the bathroom. Like, it's it's been a hard. big fancy hotel. That food getting wasted. And they bloody put you in bunk beds. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> what oh, the I know. hell? But um, but no, it's it's like a really fun experience. Very challenging. Like I found it super challenging. More like a personal development than anything. Mm -hmm. And kind of like being away from home. Like growing up in a family where it's like 
It was very like old school, like mum does everything for you. Dad works, <laughs> Who brings home the Who's doing the washing? Literally, like, you know, mum would do everything for me. So I was like, oh, you know, she'd be like, have you done your washing? Like, call me and be like, are you sure you've done your washing? Have you changed your sheets? Like, yes, mum. Yes, you didn't I'm like drop it today. outside the house and get the oh new God, one Oh my God, I wish. Up. Could you imagine? Oh, so, um, yeah, there was like a lot, like a good growing up experience for me. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me a story that you've never told anyone else that happened on MasterChef. You know, I don't want the one you told on the radio. What about there's there's something going on there? Like when they bring the meals up, everyone finishes at the same time. The last guy, his his (laughs) meat's overcooked potentially. No, it's filmed. Well, you cook. I, I want a juicier story than that, by the way. But okay, yeah, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll well, let you off with that your one. Your food yeah. is, oh, sorry, the cook is like real time. So yeah. like an hour, whatever the challenge is you have. But you do like a full clean down. You put up two dishes. I send one into photography and one goes into the fridge. Right. And then the judges like kind of eat whatever scraps you kind of have like on your plate. Um, and that's how they know if your dish is good or not. So they kind of like will come around with a spoon, try as you're cooking, like off camera or at the end, like try something so they know exactly what it's like because then the dish goes into the fridge for like hours at a time um so everything they eat is stone cold yeah right yeah yeah okay mm. that's a pretty good story but i want something a bit more juicy oh, than that. i'm on. gonna have to think of this we'll have to come back to this i'll try and think of a good story okay you're out you're cool everyone's probably recognized you on the street how do you handle that um the first time or yeah probably time. the first time would have been time? what was more daunting uh, oh, the first time, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like it's a very new and um, experience and there's a lot of people in a room and you're kind of like, I'm just a number here, like I'm just a contestant, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was weird, like coming out of it, um, I pretty much went straight from filming the finale to three days later I started a full-time job at Arana with Jock. Right. Um, so I didn't really like have a rest or anything. They're like, just go straight into it because if you don't, then you'll just like probably never end up going and doing anything in the industry, which I kind of like, good. you know what, I'll give it to them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like good, it's advice good advice as well, yeah. yeah. I mean, and here I am eight years later, so still in it. Um, but, yeah, it was a bit weird, like, people know your name and, like, mm. know everything about you, kind of like, oh, it's a bit creepy. Yeah. Um, but, like, everyone's, I think it's, like, one of those shows, though, because it's, like, such a positive show. It's nothing like, it's not Big Brother or, like, some, like, yeah. weird reality show. Um, the people that it attracts and the people that watch it, are genuine people and yeah. all they care about is food yeah. and they just like feel like they know you and it's like super nice so it is I, it is it is interesting now people are like hey laura and you're like oh shit do i know you like i'm oh, so bad with yeah. names and like faces i'm just like oh my god oh my god do i know you do i not i'm pretty famous myself actually tell me more tell me more <laughs> no um i can't imagine that it must be um it must be daunting to uh have that and, and particularly well what i can say is you're you're pretty much the same which is a, a compliment i believe you know like is there's not a lot that's different so no. in there I guess you have to be pretty real and yep. no one's not seeing you do, you know, you're no. in, you've got to be yourself. Correct. And, yeah. And um, it's like, okay. And because like cameras are on you at all times, like if you were trying to be someone else, yeah. it would come out eventually. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just want to say for all the other people that, you know, that didn't get very far into there, mm. you know, everyone that gets on that show is a winner and, um, mm. you know, the, the, the pressure, mm-hmm. you know, like must be immense like i get nervous before every podcast give me a pina colada <laughs> and i'm fine but, and i and i probably shouldn't yeah. by now i think i've done 60 something but yeah. uh you know it's but that means I, you care that's what uh, i said oh, really? people okay. are like oh do you get nervous and you go on stage i'm like hell yeah like <laughs> i like almost want to vomit and then i'm like i don't want to go but it's like because you care like you don't yeah. want to screw yeah, yeah. it up high five scott we must care because yeah. we both get very nervous <laughs> before every po- we start really having oh, bitches yeah. at each other it's like hey, have you done that have you done that? Are you sure? How do you sure? pronounce your last yeah, name? Are you sure? And, I mean, <laughs> and, um, uh, do you know the name of both of the restaurants or whatever <laughs> this? Uh, normally we do a little bit more homework, but because yeah. this is a little off the cuff, we are we're, we're doing quite right. Um, okay, so you're out. You're working at Rana. That must have been amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, it's a lot to go into, like from filming. You're in a bubble to then going into like my first real full time job um, as an 18 year old. It was like, oh god, what am I doing in a like incredible restaurant very small team so it was like um there's a restaurant upstairs and downstairs and downstairs is like a bistro version and then upstairs is obviously arana it was the head chef jock and then two other chefs okay so, so you got to keep a secret here too don't you because it because or is it or is that live that it, how far is behind is the filming oh no i have to keep a secret yeah i kept right. it for three months okay so that's yeah family however and- though i didn't know that i'm 
had come second. So the first time ah. I filmed it, they do they did two endings that they filmed, um, okay. which was like pretty annoying because it was like for three months you're just like I wonder if I did I wonder if I didn't like I'm going to spend my money maybe I shouldn't because what if I haven't won anything kind of a thing um so yeah yep so they did like a version of um the guy who won winning and then they were like cut and like the two of us were the only ones that knew like none of the um like obviously the crew knew but like our families didn't know and the contestants didn't know and they like came out like cut reset and everyone's like what's happening and like my poor grandmother was there and she was like she can't understand things like half the time. But yeah, yeah, she was like, oh my God, what's happening? And I was like, it's fine, no, no, like don't panic. Um, but yeah, it was it was weird. And then we found out like the day of, so they flew us to Melbourne and told us. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like by then I was kind of like, I'm over it now. It's yeah. been three months. Like I yeah. don't really care what I can. So yeah, okay. you got pineapple on your chin. I've got pineapple on my chin. You do. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, should I take no, you it do. off? Yeah. Oh, you don't have to. I, I like it. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We'll leave it there. Okay. Scarlet's <laughs> like Okay, a little bit of pina colada pineapple on my gym. Stylish dad that I am, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's embarrassing. Now, where was I? No, um, Arana, mm. okay, tell me about your family. I want to know how much they mean to you and how much they've inspired you and... I'm trying to get a tear here. Come on. Oh my Stop God, laughing. I, I actually, so I'm not going to lie, at lunch today I got told by an unnamed source that you make everyone cry in their, in their <laughs> podcast. And I was like, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> but I was like, it's not going to happen. Um, God, you're like a producer, a master chef. I was like, how's your family when you like haven't yeah. seen them for three months? Can you, you know, there. like when, when, when a nuna holds your hand and, and, yep. and, and you would have got that and, and wish you luck and, and gives you hugs to. to oh, God. <laughs> no, the the, no. the feel of the soft skin and yeah. and the the warm embraces that must have um you know when you were saying goodbye to go for six months that must yeah. have been pretty yeah. tough. It's pretty hard because it's all, it's also like you don't know how long you're going to be away for. So it's like you know do you say just like a casual goodbye? Is it like you know a big long hug? Like it was a bit a bit weird. Um, and at this time, so I grew up in Melbourne and my parents had actually just moved to Adelaide. Like. Or was it not even like just that year before essentially so I had been there for like seven months if that so I didn't really even know anyone at that stage there um so it's kind of like weird so did like my goodbyes at home in Adelaide which was like obviously really hard my mum came with me for the first like few days which was really good to like help me kind of settle in yeah. um oh, oh three you. more pina <laughs> um but then I went to Melbourne and like said goodbye to my grandparents and it's always hard like you never want I mean you know, grandparents are always old, so you never want to kind of like think something's going to happen to them, but you can't also help think that yeah. as well. So it's always hard saying goodbye to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No tears? No, no tears. No tears. Yet. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, Not no, yet. family's great, and uh, it sounds like you had a, a great upbringing, so oh. you must have some really good parents and support. I think. Um, yeah. You know the whole grandparents and parents together yep. as a yep. as a joint bring up, which is the yes. Italian way, isn't yep. it? Yeah. Uh, what a what an amazing culture. Uh, have you been actually back since? I have. I've been twice. Um, I went back in 2017 with my now husband Max. We actually got engaged um, in Tuscany. Oh, beautiful, so, Max. Romantic, bless Stop him. It. I know, and he's like not a romantic. Well, he never he didn't used to be romantic, and I was kind of like, what is this? Like under the Tuscan sunset, like it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um. And we, so we actually like won tickets. It was so random to travel around the world. It was like the most yeah, bizarre yeah. thing. Yeah, it was this Qatar. Is a supplementary price. I, I've never won anything before. Like not even MasterChef, obviously. But like this was like, I was like, I've made it. Like I've won something. It was like um, Qatar just started flying into Adelaide. They had a dinner, got invited. And I won the raffle ticket of like, choose where you want to go around the world in um, business class. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So we did um, London. Spain and Italy which was amazing so yeah we did two weeks there loved it it was like really nice to go back saw some family which was really cool and to like see them after what had been oh god like a solid 15 years I'd say was like pretty cool um and then I went back for our honeymoon so we did four weeks for our honeymoon which was really nice and that was just before the old COVID-D struck ah nice so oh okay so that, that brings us to um yeah, so we yeah, went. Okay. Yeah, we went um, July nineteen. Do you know how you go and sitting in the back of the plane now? 
you know, like after going in business class around, how's it, how's it, so how's it feel to turn right? Oh, I hate when you have to like walk past people in business class and you're like, oh, that was once me. My, my wife, Amanda, she used to work up for the airlines and oh. we used to always get upgraded or, you know, staff travel in the front. So for a really long time, I'd never turn right. And when she finished, all of a sudden so I'm turning hard. right. But I actually had to do a circle. I had to go all the way around left to, oh, to go right. Oh, depressing. You're yeah, like, no. no, thank you. Yeah, tough. But, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's my hardest story that I've had. You know? <laughs> but Okay, so you're, you're finished the run by now. You've got married. Yeah. And you're going to go, oh, what a great idea. Let's open my own place, hey? Yeah. Hey? Wild, crazy idea. Um, good, good idea, I think. Good idea. I want you to tell me uh, how hard it is yeah. to do that. <laughs> Because I know how hard it is. Yeah. Well, I don't actually. I've never opened a restaurant, but I have opened a couple of businesses and yep. I know yep. how hard that can be on mm-hmm. you and, once again, your family. Am I getting this to yep. you yet? Yeah. No tears yes. yet. Yes, we'll get there. We <laughs> yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, and, and when you say goodbye to your none of the day, you have to go to work first. <laughs> soft hands. Yeah. soft, soft hands. She does have very soft hands. <laughs> From all the rolling. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us about opening a restaurant and the challenges that there. Um, so what was, it was the first one? So the first one was Nido, uh, yep. which was two and a half years ago now. Um, so it was 2019, yep. uh, April, and it's kind of like a funny one. So Max and I were both working at different venues, um, and uh, Max was working at Shibosho, which is a really good Japanese restaurant um, in Adelaide. He was the head chef there, and one of the business partners who's got a collective of restaurants in Adelaide, Simon, he was like, oh, I want to open an Italian restaurant. I'd love you to head it up. And Max is kind of like, oh, look, that's fine, but I've never really cooked. Max is half Italian, half um, Aussie. And he's like, I've never really cooked uh, Italian food professionally. What if it was myself and my wife? Like, you know, would you take as a as a combo deal? And he was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, no shit, I will. Okay. I'm thinking that this is the world's best deal for him. Yeah, and Max is like asking him. I was like, no, you just tell him. Yeah. And it's like a two-for-one combo. Um, romantic, Max, but come on. I know, I know. <laughs> Silly duffer. Um, so, yeah, we like sat down one afternoon, me, Max, Simon and his wife, Emma. Nutted it out. So um, there was a restaurant excuse me, in Adelaide called The Pot, Food and Wine. And it was there for about 25 years and that was Simon's first restaurant. Um, and it was kind of time to revamp and whatever. So we took it over, closed it for three days, did like a few bits of fresh paint, changed the signs on the door, changed the menu, changed the kitchen up like the smallest bit and then opened it into a pasta bar. So it was like the hardest three days of my life. Flipping Three it, days? Three days to flip. And so we'd like come up, it was kind of like, it was good because we had a bit of lead up time in that kitchen to like plan a menu and develop everything. We were kind of like trialing dishes to the customers of the pot like before it closed. And it was like all the regulars would come in because they were like, oh, it's closing, you know, but we're like, you know, come and try the new things that we're going to do, um, which is awesome. So yeah, three days, it was hard. It was really hard. And I reckon we did probably three months straight of work, not a single day off. Um, first there in the morning, last leave at night, probably drank way too much in the first four weeks, probably oh, yeah. didn't see any of our family, didn't exercise, just ate whatever was around us, probably ate pasta like 60 times in a week. <laughs> uh, it was just... How much weight did you put on? Oh, I, put, I reckon I put on like eight kilos. It was, eight it kilos? It was ridiculous. And I'm like, as soon as I put on weight, it goes straight to my stomach because I'm small. I'm like, God damn this shit. Like, it's just the worst <laughs> place to put on weight. I'm like, not. anywhere else, like, butt, tits, I don't care. <laughs> not my stomach, please. Um, but it's like, you know, you look back and you're like, it's worth it. Like, yeah. kilos or not, it's still, so, it's like an incredible experience. So at that point, we go, okay, I'm three months in, I haven't yeah. had a day off. Yeah. You know, because I think there's a lot of people out there who can probably learn a little lesson from this in that, yeah. you know, I've got half a dozen of them at work who just work really, really hard. And yeah. they can all, they're going to hardly find the energy to change and, yeah, and, and, and take a day off and take a holiday or, or whatever it might be. Tell me how you went through that little transition to get it right, to get it balanced. Because you weren't there when I was there in February, okay? I went looking for you, you weren't there. Was it February last year? I thought it was February this year. I was, no, it was February. No, it was June. I was there. June. I was February or somewhere else. June. June. I did the gun. You know, the gun, the train. I did it from Darwin. Maybe I was in Noosa. Uh, I was definitely in Noosa in June. Okay. But also we had we opened the no, second restaurant as well. No, it wasn't food and wine. Well. It wasn't food and wine. Because oh. I was there in town for that. Oh, okay. Anyway, oh. doesn't matter. You weren't anyway. there. But it was delicious um, all the same. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. But um, no, so going back to like that kind of like three months in, obviously like your staff are exhausted. They all want time off and you obviously prioritise that so they can take time off, which... Um, 
they did, which is really nice. But Max and I had our honeymoon booked for three months oh, exactly after opening. Right. So it was kind of probably we also why we did the three months straight of like we're just going to like run ourselves into the ground like physically and emotionally and just work every day and just like slug it out make all the staff around us really happy train them up to exactly how we want it because I was like there is no way I'm rescheduling my honeymoon like I'm yeah, going to Italy yeah, yeah, it's yeah. happening um, and yeah so like we kind of were forced to go away for a month and the place ran extremely smooth so I know we've been like really blessed with staff like staff is always really hard to find yeah um, it's kind of like you know when you find the right people you just don't let them go Tell so. me about Adelaide's an awesome place. I lived there a long time. I actually worked in a Italian restaurant. Oh, Adelaide, a long, long time ago. I'm a chef. Do you know I'm a chef? No. Um, no. I, I was a chef a long time ago. Um, what restaurant? I forget. I can't remember where it was, but I lived oh. near the um, near the drive-in. It was just north. Oh, of yes. Max used to go to the drive-in, but it's not there anymore. Speak up a bit. Oh, no, it is there. I think it is still there. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, lots of beautiful Italian people there. Yeah. Actually, I, I worked in a, an Italian restaurant in Alice Springs as well, but it's not about me today. But, but what we sorry, used to sorry. get was loads of beautiful fresh ricotta out of Adelaide and, and heaps of grapefruit and veg and yeah. um, uh, King George Whiting. Yeah. And, yeah, so lots of beautiful food there. So tell me mm. how, how about what, what makes you tick when you're selecting stuff for um, your credit for your... Well, I think, like... Uh, I can tell that the alcohol's setting in now. <laughs> I can hardly speak. <laughs> and this will be cut the show. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, like, uh, for, like, I'll speak on, like, my and Max's behalf on this one, but it's um, Adelaide being such a small place, but having so much to offer um, produce-wise, you get to know people really quickly and you form really cool relationships with those producers. And we've been in a situation, um, especially with Nido, where all of our um, produce skips a middleman cool. and comes direct to us. So we kind of like went out, we started meeting people, like you just meet, you know, you meet people around the place, right. go visit farms. Um, so all of our fish comes through a, um, a collective called Fairfish um, and it's basically an incentive where um, you are kind of like hooked up with a fisherman you get their number they'll call you on a Monday and be like look I'm going out fishing tomorrow just so you know I'm going to have a whole heap of things great there's this one guy Shane in Port Lincoln he'll call you on like a Tuesday morning he's like look Max this is what I've got tells Max everything Max places order Within like 18 hours, the fish is um, in our restaurant. It's so it's all whole, and obviously like, um, you know, you're paying. It's obviously like the price is great as well because you're kind of you are cutting out that middleman, but it's a bit more labour intensive because we do everything. So you know, you're getting your squid in whole, your fish are all um, still got all the intestines and guts and scaling on it. So you're doing everything um, yourself in house, but it's just more rewarding that way. Well, and the I think produce is ridiculous. Once, that you sort can of get. that's how it, that's how it sort of used to be, and, then, and, got, and you know. Gets, it needs people's yeah. people sort of streamline it and yeah. you know get a little bit lazy, I, I guess. Yeah. And that must be you know got to be super organised. Yeah. Um, but also with an Italian restaurant, dare mm-hmm. I say, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little flexible as mm-hmm. long as you got the flour. You know, you can make the pasta because exactly. it's pasta bar. Yeah. And exactly. the other ingredients can be a little bit more flexible. Exactly. And, and, and so you can use the seasons. Yeah. Particularly we're saying with veg, with, yes. you know, yeah. you get a heap of catroffo is that it yes uh, yep. or artichoke for yep. those who can't speak Italian like yep. we can <laughs> um, uh, yeah so you can get the seasonal stuff that must be really really cool okay mm. um, I, so it's also like very much like it's a very Mediterranean um, climate down there so yep. you get lots of those like European varieties and whatnot so what's um, what's the word sustainable mean to you in business Ooh. Oh, to be honest, like I think there's like everyone's probably got a different answer to this, and there's so many like I could probably go on for like two hours about it. But I think like main avenues is like sustainability. Like for me, a big one is staff and sustainability of oh, your good staff. Oh, good answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like to... no one would. Prob- I feel like no one probably says that, but I think um, my role um, more so currently across both venues is more like um, managing staff and ensuring they're happy and everything that we're doing is right for them and you know they're actually coming and enjoying their jobs and um especially after covid stuff really hard to find especially when like the eastern states are closed everyone's kind of locked down there's not people moving around for jobs Mm. um and you kind of you know you get what you're given kind of a thing like yeah people come in like i'm a chef i want a job you're kind of like i need you so yes, yes you can have a job um and i guess it's yeah making sure they're happy and um you know they've got longevity and we can provide them with 
a job and a career um, and keeping them happy, I think, is like one avenue of sustainability is, yeah, definitely like a staffing level. It's it's, it's, it's a really good thing you said that. And yeah. that's actually the real answer. Like oh, cool. when, when people, in my opinion, like there's loads of types of sustainability, obviously the environment, um, yeah. you know, uh, but, but how your staff are, are really, really important and yeah. how you manage your menus, your kitchen, yeah. their time off, Correct. what they need, all well, that it's like stuff. They, they keep your business afloat at the end of the day. Like they're yeah. the ones that come in like, Max and I can't run two venues on our own because, like, you can't even run one on your own. Like, yeah. you need staff and it's, like, one of those things, like, you have to appreciate them, otherwise they'll go somewhere else. I always think of staff as the blood. Like, the buildings yeah. and the walls and, yeah. the, and the products are thing, but, yeah. you know, the staff are, like, the blood that flows through it. And yeah. if you've got healthy blood, mm. then, you know, you, you've got a healthy healthy Correct. restaurant. Yeah. And if you've got a happy team, yes. you know, the, yeah. you know the money or whatever it comes from it you know yeah. great yeah that's like the result yeah. of it so yeah. but your team is like your team gets accolades it's not you at the end of the day like yes people will be like yeah oh, any shout outs while we're here the team oh god don't no don't because there's so many and i'll probably forget all of them then i'll get in trouble <laughs> okay. all of them everyone at nita went for gutsy they're all loved equally there's no favorite child i swear um <laughs> but um well i think like i don't know you say like the right answer is talking about staff in like the sustainability way because i think it's like I know I'm of like this um, idea, I guess, essentially that like sustainability, like, yes, it's great. And it's great to talk about it, but it should just be natural to everyone. Yeah. And it's really fucking annoying that it's not. Yes. Um, and it's just like, I just don't understand how people just can't get their rubbish off the street and put it into the proper bin. Like, it's not that hard to split your waste. It's not that hard to look after the environment. Like, are, they, are they good with picking up that? In, I know that Adelaide's been famous for yeah, having, like having Adel- that recycling Adelaide's really, thing for really years. good for it. Like, um, so like all the, like all your glass bottles, like beer bottles, wine bottles, you get like your 10 cent refund. So it's like an incentive for people to be like, you know, give yeah. it to the kids. Like the kids can go around the neighborhood yeah, and pick yeah. up like all the- We used to the... steal them when I was a kid. Yeah, like, go and, to someone's yeah, house, make steal a few all bucks, bottles. go down to Macca's, yeah. get a soft serve, like happy days. But yeah. um, um, like SA is really good with like, there's no plastic bags in any shops. There's no um, plastic straws, everything's metal. There's like no plastic takeaway containers allowed. Like it's really, really good. But then I guess you can kind of like dig deeper into that and then go, but then you hear of like the horror stories of like you do all the right things. And then once it actually gets to a waste, yeah. Um, facility, whether it's here or offshore, it just all goes into the same pile, and it's, then you kind of go, well, why am I, why am I trying if then the next person isn't? Yeah, which is like, and that debate will go on for forever and it's ever like, and ever, which like, is really hard. But I kind of go, if we do the right thing at home and at work, and like even at work, we've got like seven different bins. I can't even keep up with what goes in what. Like I have to read the bin label to be like, oh, do you actually go in here? Mm. Um, but it's like you just like you have to do your part. Um, and you have to support local and small businesses because otherwise the economy is going to go to shit. Good answer. Thank you. What, um, so you, 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 got a little, fa- you got a little famous on, on the TV there for a while and, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and turns out you can run with it because you are a good person and, you, and, you, and, you, and you've got a great husband and Nuna with soft hands. <laughs> How am I going? Here we go again. <laughs> her eyes are well and kids. Oh. Her eyes are well and we're getting there. Okay, get another drink. Um, do you feel How many as shots of uh, we double rummer the in this one? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> do you feel a sense of responsibility now that you've got these, you know, because you said you're like teaching yeah. earlier. Um, do you feel a sense of responsibility to be everyone's uh, young Nuna, I, I said young then, but you know, that, that, <laughs> when I mean Nuna, I mean, you know, the, the lady that so teaches, like you know, let's go on. right back yeah. to the beginning now. Yeah, Is there I, a- I, definitely, because I think, I mean, it's always hard with like any ethnic background, any like tradition to hand it over to someone, because it like depends on that person you're handing it over to, like, do they actually care enough to be like, you know, yes, I'm going to do something with the information or no, I'm just be like, fuck it, I don't really care. Mm. My kids won't like that one day, so it just stops here. Mm. Um, I think we kind of spoke about it a bit last night over, again, too many yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um And you were like, where's the mic? I've got to record this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were um, saying I was probably in stuff. tears then. Let's be real. They were my tears. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely, like, do feel a responsibility of it. And I think it's kind of nice, like, in I feel really lucky in the role that I'm in, um, within my two restaurants that I have the flexibility to step away from that and to actually do like come up and do events like this. And my favorite part of them is when you get to go up on stage and do a cooking demonstration because people are generally excited and they generally want to know how to make something. And like even at the long lunch, there was like a group of older ladies and they're like, we're so excited for tomorrow. Like we just want to learn how to make pasta. Please tell me like you're making pasta. I was like, yes, I am. Like I'd be stupid to not like to come up here and not make it. Yeah. Um, 
and it's yeah I think there's definitely like a responsibility like I want my kids to grow up how I grew up around food and wine and like culture and family like I think it's really important to carry it on um but I think it's going to be hard because I feel like I can say this coming from a young person is that or a young-ish person um the younger generation sucks (laughs) yeah they really do like I kind of look and I'm like, was I like that when I was 16? Like, was I a little shit like that? Did I not care about anything back then? Why do you think that is? Uh, Privilege, money. Um, And I think it's just, I mean, like when I, it's not like it's not even that long ago when I was growing up. So when I was 16, like 11, 10, 11 years ago now, you know, I wasn't allowed a mobile phone until I was 16 years old. Like my parents like, no, you don't need it. Your sister goes to the same school. She got hers when she was 16. You can have your phone when you're 16. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Like it was just very much like, you know, what do you need it for? Because, I mean, I'm always on my phone and I hate it because it's like work is my phone. You know, you've got your emails, you've got text messages and someone calling you from like both venues. Yeah. Then you've got social media and you have to be present on social media and post and put stories up and show the world how perfect your life is through socials. But um, when it's probably not. Yeah. But um, which is also another another conversation. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just. What was I saying? I fucking forgot what I was saying. <laughs> what was the I topic? don't know. I stopped listening like a few minutes ago. Young people and how. Yeah, yeah, young yeah, people. I just how think, fuck I just young think, people yeah. are, I think you said. Wow, which is like really, like, I don't know. I kind of like, I see so many wasted opportunities. Yeah. And. You're going to um, be a cranky nonna, aren't you? I'm going to be such a cranky nonna. Like, you already I feel like hate I'm the a, kids. I know, I'm 26 and I hate everyone. <laughs> I hate the world. No. Um, I don't know. I just like, I hope that it kind of changes because it's, you know, it's. It's only 10 years, which is actually not that much, but it's a very like dramatic change in like how we were when I was 16 to probably like how you were when you were 16. Yeah. Like it's just I, look, it's I, so I, different. I know what you're saying and there is a massive addiction problem here and it's yeah. not only is it sugar, it's definitely telephones yeah. and that shit yeah. is just addictive yeah. and there's all stuff about, you know, all the big players in that world that make us addicted yeah. to it and Correct. they know all the... Uh, what's that show where the, the the kid's doing this and he's addicted to his phone? It was on Netflix or something recently. Anyway, it talks about the addiction of um, of technology and yeah. how just full on it. Is. So it's you, you just said it's hard for you to stop it. You're on your phone all the time. Mm. Imagine their all poor the time. brains. Like if my phone's not next to me right now, I'd be like, oh shit, where's my phone? Yeah. Like, what is I, I try to get Scarlett to actually just give me a phone for 24 hours just as a bit of a hey, have a rest. Mm. Can't do it. Won't do it. No. Something might burn down. You yeah. might need your phone. I, I love going on. A, that, I think that's one of the reasons I love going overseas because I put an airplane mode for. Well, you can't actually use your phone overseas unless yeah. you want to pay a bloody fortune. Yeah, yeah. For so, it anyway, so I don't so. have it work work, but I yeah. but I just use it for photos. Yeah. And then so I can put it on yes. Instagram so I can tell people how good my life is. Yes, correct. Know, <laughs> even though it might not be. Social you know, media so. is perfect. <laughs> yes. No. It's, yeah. Which uh, is yeah. Which is kind of annoying, but I don't know. I feel like some of these younger generation kids just need to grow the fuck up. Bloody kids today. Oh, my God. I can't, was I that bad? Was I really that bad? I don't know. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I no. I was. Yeah, like, I kind of look back and I'm like... <laughs> I was. Like, I was. <laughs> that was me. I'm not going to do But um, <laughs> I don't know. Are they the kind of yeah, people that are, like, passionate about changing the world and bettering it? I don't know. Yeah, you're worried about the world? You're worried about the environment? Oh, God, yeah. I want to yeah. buy a house by the beach. I don't want global warming to sink my front yard. Yeah, right. <laughs> How, yeah, that's... Yeah. I want my front yard. Yeah, this resort's so like nice. Like Haikuya lawn, I want it to be, like, perfect. I, I actually planted two coconut trees out there today. Did I you? I found the sprouting coconut and oh, I went sick. up and dug a hole and, and planted it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. There you go. So I'm trying to stop the, yeah. What do you do? You got a garden? I do have a garden. Yeah? Yeah. Where are we going? Um, so we're in the Burbs in Adelaide, yeah. um, which is great. Love it. There's a Nonna Maria next door to us. She's Ooh. a little Calabrian nonna, so because my nonna's in Melbourne, so I can't see her, obviously, especially with like COVID stuff. Um, so I kind of just like latch onto her like I'm her adopted oh, so grandchild. Sort of swap nanas with yeah, other people, which yeah. is great. Love yeah. it. Um, but actually, it's so like my mum's swap nana program. I write that down. <laughs> um, that'd be a good show. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, what is it? Wife swap? You could like nonna swap. <laughs> yeah. Only. If, okay, you're gonna interview for the show. Can you make pasta? No. Okay. No, next, okay. please. Next. <laughs> um, I mean, like my. Both sets of grandparents had gardens growing up. My mum and dad had one in Melbourne. My mum's got an incredible garden in the Adelaide Hills. Like she grows enough to feed probably 20 households, but she like then goes into like the pickling and preserving and all those things. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like when we did up our yard, which was actually our lockdown that we had last November. It was like a six day lockdown. I was like, we're going to build a yard. Like I want one Straight. because like, you know, 
we use all this amazing produce that's all organic and biodynamic and locally grown at work. Why don't we do that at home? Mm. Um, but then I felt like I was cheating on my local fruit and veg guy because they're like the best fruit and veg in Adelaide and I felt like really bad for that. But I still go and see them, so it's all good. Um, but gardening's like my happy place, to be honest. Good. It's my escape. So I've got four huge garden beds and last year I put way too many things into the ground. <laughs> it was just, it was wild. Like there was, then I had to get into the pickling and preserving. So it was like... I had like six different types of tomatoes and I think we got like over 200 kilos of tomatoes. Like it was, they were just coming out of my ears. I was like, enough. There was um, four different it types of- It good for the food costs. Yeah, I know, but then I was like, send it all to work, send it all yeah, to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, cause you know, you go to, like I went to Bunnings and I bought um, the Diggers Club that we have like all the heirloom varieties and you go, oh, it's two bucks for a plant. If I kill it, you know, it's two bucks. All yeah. good, I can do this. Um, we had four different types of zucchinis. We had pumpkins, eggplant, capsicum, strawberries, garlic, spinach, silver bay, and then all the herbs, because I'm addicted to herbs. So hard herbs, soft herbs. Um, and loved it, found it so therapeutic. And then obviously the hard herbs are still going, my strawberries are still going. I'm actually gonna probably go home to a few straws. They've like blossomed quite early, which is great. Um, and this year I decided to join the Diggers Club. Uh, do they have a Diggers Club up yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like, yes, yeah, so it's an Australian thing. Um, and I have grown everything from seed this year, which has been a very Stop like it. big learning curve for me. I don't have the patience for it, but I'm like trying real hard. Um, and everything sprouted except for my warty French pumpkin. What? Yes, and I'm so pissed off oh. it hasn't sprouted yet. It's like an extreme rare variety. That's the one I held up on my face for that Instagram post, Scarlett. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. That looks sick. Yeah. That looks so, so cool. They're like, they good just to have in the restaurant and yeah, literally, it just hanging around, aren't they? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I mean, pumpkins last forever anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I'm growing everything from seed, which is really exciting. So mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like, it's, everyone's like, but you don't have time for it. Like, when do you have time to like get in the garden? I was like, I don't, but I have to make time. It's like, you know, my off time is I'm either at Pilates, I'm on the couch, which is very rare, on like a Sunday night for like two hours before I fall asleep, or I'm in the garden. Like I need to find time for it, otherwise I'll just work and work and work. So garden, home, work, um, travel, yep, Pilates. Travel Pilates. Wow, life's yep. pretty good. Call the fish guy, he calls you. I know. Huh? Help Shane, it's great. Come to Port Douglas. Yeah. It's great. Uh, tell me a couple of little things that you do in the kitchen. Tell me a couple of things that you do with herbs. And, and waste. Oh. I want to talk about a couple of things that you oh, yeah. do with herbs okay. and, and uh, how do you deal with some of the waste that's in the kitchen? Well, I can actually probably combine them both kind of like into one. Yep. If you're happy with that. But it's like it's going to sound super simple, but all of our pasta doughs um, to like obviously everyone likes a coloured pasta dough or something that's a bit different. Um, all the stems of any herb or any green or the tops of um, so beetroot leaves, carrot tops, anything get blanched um, parsley stalks, basil stalks, turn into like a green puree and they get used through um, pasta dough, which is really cool. So like nothing gets wasted there, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, obviously like different things add flavor. So like your beetroot ones add a bit more flavor to it. Parsley stalks and the basil stalks add a lot more flavor as well. Um, so people kind of get, you know, excited by that, but it's like you kind of got it and it also then saves money on uh, adding more eggs into your dough as well. So it's like a good cost-effective way of getting rid of it um, or doing, like it's just not going to the bin, which is nice. Yeah. So um, pretty much I'd say like it's it's an interesting one because Nido is a lot easier to um, minimise waste currently than Fugazi's, but Fugazi's only four months old. So we're still like figuring out different structures and procedures to kind of make sure that everything we want is actually happening. So with Nido, pretty much nothing goes into the bin. Um, everything kind of has like a second life. So yeah, all the, like your herbs, um, if they're not used for garnish, they're kind of, they're blitzed into some sort of a sauce. Um, we freeze heaps of like green purees down. Like we've got a really cool veg supplier in the hills. They're called Naringa, um, all organic biodynamic and they're also a winery. Um, basically like, you know, basil doesn't, bloom all year round so when they've got their basil we go hard we buy a shit ton of it and then blitz it and we'll freeze it down and then use it if it's for a puree for a dough or something like we'll just use it and it's kind of like an all year round thing I which think is nice when you garden you actually understand seasons i think all yeah. chefs need to know how to have a garden yeah. right because yeah. you actually get it so you're Correct. just saying things that are music to my ears because yeah. in my game people just expect basil all the time people yeah. just expect oh, thai basil like all the time it just doesn't taste and, like anything and it's um like it's 
And it's kind of like, and no. it's expensive when it's out of Correct. It's like you go and spend like four to five bucks for a bunch of basil. Tastes uh, like nothing. It tastes like water. In, it's literally water. In Brisbane, we're pulling Thai basil out of Darwin. Ridiculous. It's yeah. It's but crazy. What are you going to so, do? Educate. Stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Know, so, like, anyway, that's, that's what so we like are doing. We're educating them. of anything going to stocks that can turn into sources, whether they use them or they're frozen down, whatever. So there's always like something you can kind of be like, oh, I'm going to create a special one. I've got all this fish stock. Let's make like a beautiful broth or whatever. And then you ground the bones and put them in clay and make them into plates. Or, no, <laughs> no, no, not that crazy. <laughs> Actually, there, was, there is a lady in Adelaide made of Australia plates and she goes around to restaurants and asks for um, bones of fish or meat um, and uses them for her plates, which is really cool. Mm. You should definitely check them out. They're amazing plates. Awesome. Really, really cool. Okay. And Devlin um, does that too. There you go. Mm. So, but then Fagazzi is like a little bit different. Currently, we've got a bar at Fagazzi. So we try and put most of our waste through the bar. So through syrups, granitas, sorbets that kind of go onto any dessert. Um, and obviously like making, turning something into a sugar syrup is the easiest way of preserving something. Like add sugar to it, it's going to last, it's fine. So there's a mandarin dessert on the menu at Fagazzi. At the moment, the mandarins come from my tree at home because two people can't eat thousand mandarins yep. when they come out so it's kind of like bring them to work they've got a dessert on they don't use the uh the peel the peel goes to the bar they make um a vodka um citrus spray with it as well and they do like this like sour mandarin drink and then make a um liqueur with the mandarin peels so nothing actually like so then eventually obviously yes the peels go into the bin but they've had two lives and we're just drinking pina coladas because they're just easy. I know. I mean, the pineapple's from up north, so it's all good. <laughs> it's local. And the coconuts are just from the trees out here, surely. <laughs> so, you know, but it's also like, yeah, like I said before, you just hope that everyone is doing the right thing. So that's a really good like rounded way of uh, explaining how chefs should almost be trained. They should mm -hmm. go to Italy when they're little mm -hmm. and they should understand the culture of eating in season. They should learn to grow Correct. a vegetable patch. You don't eat tomatoes and, and, in winter. And restaurants, no. some restaurants don't make money, right? No. They yeah. just don't. They, they fail. And, like, yeah. I think it's, like, four out of five, I think, yeah. fail. Yeah. But I don't think they know how to actually cook, preserve, ferment, no. um, well, pickle, all those things to make sure that you're using like them. Like you say, you know, restaurants go, they go broke or they go under from spending whatever sorts of money. Limes at the moment and lemons in Adelaide are $45 a kilo for lemons. A kilo? For lemons. Hey, guys, send some lemons down to Adelaide. Thanks. <laughs> So you go, well, you're not going to use, you're not going to cut up a lemon and put it in a gin and tonic, are you? You're going to go and like find a different garden. I thought you said your fruit guy was good. What's going oh, on? Oh, but there? yeah, but then because it's citrus ain't in season anymore. So yeah. it's like, you kind of like, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, that's very so true. It's not so, in so, season, so, pay, okay, so through summer, are, yeah. what are you going to do? Because we're pulling them from the US. That's, well, that's the thing. Then you, it's ridiculous. And then you can't, you can't get anything. You know local. what you do? You make, you make. Nana Maria next door. Grow lemons. No, yeah. no, no, no. You she make does um, lemon tree. What's it called? Limoncello. Uh, yeah, no. well, you can make yeah. limoncello. Oh. That's good. Can we order a couple of those? Yeah. <laughs> um, Shots all round. Uh, what's good? Verjuice. Yes. Yeah. Maggie Beer makes a good verjuice. Goes there in the Barossa. There's Beautiful. their plug. <laughs> Anyone else you're going to plug? <laughs> No, she's, um, she's a bad I'm looking at my, my notes. We're wrapping this up. Scarlett says we're oh. out of time. We've run out of drinks. Oh, no. Um, it is really awesome talking to you. And um, I could talk to you all day. I, can, I think know, we're going to go for a swim now and, and continue our little chat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, congratulations on um, just being a good person. Bless you. Thank you. And, um, Don't make me cry. And, um, <laughs> Don't do it. And um, real They're proud of you for, um, you know, loving your nona. And, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and those soft hands. Yeah, yeah soft hands. Uh, yeah, she's, she's, she's crying, kids. Okay, we'll wrap yeah. it up now. <laughs> it no. Thank you so no, much for being you. on the podcast. You're awesome. And thank I think you. we just got a little rattling there for the end, so I apologise for the listeners if we did. But um, yeah. thank you for being a part of our wonderful podcast. And, um, yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank mm -hmm. you.